Uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Love Sport Podcast. Many people in Olympic bliss as our girls do wonderful things in the pool. This is the Love Sport Podcast. You'll be joined by Paul and John, and we will navigate the world of sport. As always, this is the Love Sport Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. I've got my fantastic co-host in John on the line. How are we doing, mate? I'm fantastic. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. And hello to all of our wonderful uh, and loyal listeners and any new ones. Um, lovely to, I suppose, meet you. I don't know what to say. Anyway. Yeah, well, we kind of do. We're in their uh, cars or whilst they're walking or doing gym or disciplining their kids or something. I don't know. Um, mm. Mate, look, look, we normally start out nice and soft tonight, but uh, I'm actually going to have a bit of a rant and I believe you may have one to follow up. We have no idea, but um, I'm definitely going to have a rant here. Well, we don't hear that much from you, like getting fired up. So um, I'm, I'm interested. I, I don't know if I've got so much as a rant, as a, as a reflection. I like it. I like it. I'm going to rant, okay? Sure. Salary caps. And it's about salary caps. Uh, and I'm going to talk about Australian sports. And yes, I understand the rationales behind salary caps and so forth. My rant is specifically aimed at what they call soft caps, okay? And... People might know the minutiae of caps and, you know, player management and all this. Got the hard caps, and they are basically player salaries and everything. And I think a lot of people, especially in Australia, would say, well, you know, we like to be equitable, so hard salary caps we can understand. But the soft, soft cap to me, it's on coaches, it's on, um, you know, doctors, physios, support staff, but it also includes staff who might work doing merchandising or, you know, work as casual game day people for the club, stuff or like that. Or in the bubble maybe as support staff yep. who then get real close to the coach and he flips his so, life for them and that sort of thing? <laughs> well, I'm not going to go down that path. But right, my, okay. my rant is, what is the point, what is the absolute point at all of being a successful club financially? We understand what it is to be successful in terms of winning finals and this, that, and the other, right? That's the ultimate success. But if a club wants to be a true club, if a competition wants to be truly professional, why are we completely handicapping our clubs from doing good things? What is the point of a West Coast or a Richmond or an Adelaide when they're flying, making a fortune of money? What is the point? Because they can't hire extra physios, they can't hire extra uh, doctors or anything like that. But it also hits staff you know there's reports in a lot of sports where 60 or 70 percent of people uh, who work in those kind of roles lost their hours and lost their work altogether the soft salary caps are absolutely stupid there's no point of richmond having a hundred thousand members and making a six million dollar profit if all it's going to do is go back to the afl it's absolute rubbish it's anti-competitive and even worse it's un-australian because it's costing people jobs i've had a gutful get rid of it okay and uh, and if you really want to do something about it, then with the hard salary cap, let that be extended as well. Let a club like West Coast or Adelaide or Brisbane when they're flying, let them spend like they do in American sports and they call it a luxury tax. Let them spend above their salary cap and everything that they spend above. So if it's 500000 they have to match that and it gets distributed to all the other clubs in the competition. I'm sick of this, there's no point in clubs earning record profits and all that. The members don't get any of it back. We're members, right? If you're a member of your club, you don't get the money back like you do a dividend from shares. So it's bullshit 
and it should be it, it just it defeats the purpose of being successful. Why why go out of your way to earn six, seven, eight, ten million as a club? This is absolutely no point besides, you know, securing your future perhaps. I think it's crap and I think it's spoon feeding clubs that probably don't deserve to be in the NRL, the AFL and so forth. That's my rant for tonight. Okay, well on that soft salary cap, I believe that um I have very strong memories of I've spoken about him before on this podcast, Eddie Maguire and his role as Collingwood um Collingwood president railing against that issue for a long time and saying that, you know, Collingwood should be able to pay and invest more heavily in his football department yes. than other clubs. So he didn't get a lot of support back then. Um I guess I mean, I don't I, – I neither agree nor disagree with you, okay, in that I kind of think that, yeah, there should be some reward for being well-organised and all the rest of it. However, it really – the it, the teams – if I'm going to sit here and say coaching matters on a week-to-week basis, um, I think that you're really going to hinder some – especially a club without big big down, say, like a North Melbourne. Um, that's where we really get away. You know, clubs with terrible facilities, stuff like that. I I know exactly what you're saying and I understand it. And like Richmond at the top of the tree, they've got the biggest membership now and all that. Like, um, it is what it is. Let me, let me answer this. Let me answer this. The AFL is actually handicapping the smaller clubs. Because if you bring in something that, you know, I'm suggesting, call it whatever you want, luxury tax, you know, dividend tax, uh, equitable share tax, right? Just hear me mm. out on this point. And, and, mm. and, and what you've said is absolutely relevant. But North Melbourne will always be handicapped by the amount of members they've got. No matter how hard they go, traditionally, those traditions take decades and decades to change, right? Hey, so, John, West Coast make a big profit, right? They they spend, they spend make $2 million. They want to invest it in more coaches because a lot of assistant coaches have lost their jobs and stuff as well in the past year. So West Coast go, right, we're going to spend a million above the soft salary cap and we have to now match that million dollars. So that million dollars goes back to the other 18 clubs and they mm. get whatever amount back. That amount of money, North Melbourne, we're never going to have. So, yes, it might be a 17th of that million dollars, but I, I just think that we're handicapping our competition so much. If we're going to grow above other sports, or I don't even mean above other sports, but if we're going to expand and be professional and so forth, it's just a rant, mate, that I strongly believe in. And it gets to a point. Where- I'm cool with what you're saying. Like, you know, but if you look at the two most successful competition models in, in world sport, they couldn't be any more different. You've got the NFL on one side. Yep. A completely managed league. Every bit of revenue raised goes into the headquarters, whether it comes from TV, jersey sales, merchandise, clubs, anything like that, and then gets totally divvied out exactly the same way. The only thing they keep is ticket sales for home games during pre-season. Yep. Which is one of those reasons the owners never want to let go of the pre-season, the fourth pre-season NFL goes because they took 100% of the profit from that. Everything else, including the, the ticket sales, the whole lot, into one set of coffers, right? Yep. The other side of the game is Premier League, where it's completely up to you. Generate whatever you want, spend what you want. Who cares, you know? In you go. Um, what works better? Well, it's hard to say because both of them sit right at the pinnacle of world sport. The clubs are the richest clubs in the world and blah, blah, blah. Um, 
What makes for a more interesting competition, if you ask me, I have no doubt, is the NFL model. Even though that's delivered six championships to one team in 20 years. But you've also got the other side to that, which the AFL has, and, and I think the NRL needs to have down the track, is the draft system also is the equitable side of that as well. Yeah. So, and so that's, it, well, that's the, the, the AFL's kind of half in. Yep. And the NRL's kind of like one third in. The e, the EPL's not in at all, and the NFL's in up to its earballs on what we call parity amongst teams. I remember reading about it uh, in a magazine I got from the states as I was driving between the Gold Coast and Brisbane, coming to see Louise. I was at uni, up and down. And I got one of those, you know, at the new... Does anyone remember news agents by magazines? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I was talking about parody at that time. It was something to be scared of. It was when the Cowboys were totally dominating the NFL and they all got in a room, all the owners, and they nutted it out and they said, we're going to do it. And so help me, um, the game's got everybody's own values gone through the roof. Yeah, mate. Look, it's just, you know, it's one of those things I'm, I'm sitting on a couch and I'm just thinking things and, you know, that's something that hasn't got out of my head in the last few weeks. What's the point besides premierships of being successful off field? And it's just, it almost gets to the point where you don't want to be too successful because what's the point? So, well, I don't believe it's the case because you said, what's the point apart from premierships? Well, there's your answer. Well, you know what I'm saying though, like in terms of what's the point of being successful off field um, and having a hundred thousand members and all that kind of thing, because really what they can put Look, I'll tell you what, they Reporters have said um, in 1980, what's the point? But I, I, I come back to that and I'll leave it on this, is that if you allow the kind of system I'm talking about where the clubs can go and spend the amount of money they want, then they have to match it and distribute it back through the competition. Um, in you some are ways going I, to be more sustainable. Sorry to cut you off. In some ways, I don't agree with you. And one of the great things that Eddie Maguire, I believe, always stood for was that um, he was always of the opinion that uh, strong Collingwood meant for a strong club and I, a strong comp. And I actually think that a lot of what Eddie Maguire did was for the benefit of the competition. And I think that he was always thinking about, you know, what's the point of, you know, I'll tell you what's the, what's the point of being Richmond or Collingwood. It was a crap comp and no one's interested. Mm, mm. Then there I is mean, no point. You don't want to be I, like Celtic and Rangers. It might not be in our lifetime, but I could see a breakaway from the AFL. Come on, man. Over that issue. Over, over people having private ownerships of club like the NFL and actually making money. I'm not saying it'll happen, but I could see it. So put this down, guys. Listen to this podcast in 40 years' time when there's um, North Cooperoo FC earning millions. Anyway, mate, that's my rant. Before you do yours, I want to ask you a couple of yes, no's, get us back in the mode. Sure thing. Beautiful. I, I think I know one of the answers to this. All right. Have you, I think I know the first one. Have you enjoyed the Olympics thus far? Yeah. Unequivocal. Yes. Very good. Would you wear your club's footy jumper to a game, so the short sleeve jumper, sans T-shirt? You have a T-shirt under it? Without a T-shirt. Oh, you mean just on its own? Yeah. That's the only way to do it. Oh, love it. Love it. Uh, mate, one more for you. One more for you here. Keep, kick or cuddle? Okay, cool. Love these. Boomers? <laughs> I don't think I know where you're going to go with this. Right. The Matildas, 
and the Hockey Roos. So you can keep one of them, kick one of them, cuddle one of them. Boomers, Matildas, Hockey Roos. Hmm. <laughs> I I was really taken aback by Paddy Mills. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of um, activist sports people who make a lot of noise, but their contribution to other people is nil. Yeah. Um, and they they would never have lifted a finger to help anyone in their life. And, you know, I'm convinced these days that a lot of people are hanging around doing activism because it opens more bank accounts options for them. But I see mm. Paddy Mills' story is a fabulous one. Um, and if there was ever more of an Australian than him, anyone, him, him carrying that flag here and his talking about what it meant and all that, like in his family, I can't kick the boomers after that. Basketball is nowhere near my favourite sport, as you would know. Yes. Yep. But if they've got the chance to stick it to the Yanks, I mean, let's do it. Um, so I'm going to... What's my top level for them? Yeah, to keep. Yeah, them. Um, the, look, it's difficult. Um, after watching the second half of last night's game with the Matildas, it's hard to give them any love, but uh, I felt like I was watching a, the Austria-West Germ- East Germany game from the World Cup years ago. Um, it was awful to watch. It um, was. But you know what? They did what they had to do. They did what they had to do, and... Um, I mean, I was more excited. I, I, I think I was more driven at that point by the idea of being able to punt the Yanks from the Olympics. Hundred percent. Than the 100%, other. That's where I was. Yep. I'd love to see Megan Rapinoe doing her, um, you know, her bit on the plinth um, after that. But uh, so I'll keep them um, um, for no reason. I mean, I'm going to have to get rid of the. Who am I getting the hockey ruse? The hockey ruse, yeah. That's the ladies, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. All right. Well, I haven't really heard anything from them at all. I presume they just, You know what the sad thing is? I presume they're just getting about their business and not raising any kind of um, big deals. But, um, look, I'll be cheering for them anyway, so whatever. I'm not going to – I've got love for all – for you know what? They're representing Australia, so what's not to love about that? I understand that, but that's the that's the hard part. Mm. Keep, keep cut I do find life. field hockey one of the more boring sports on the planet. Um, I'm, I've got to do like a bottom rating of the bottom, the bottom feeding four, not five, because they don't deserve a five, and three's not enough. Um, I'll tell you what, after watching Taekwondo last night, that's going to go close. <laughs> For spectator sports, geez. It's, Even Lou uh, was like, what the hell? This is just, you know. Come good on. or bad? Good or bad? <laughs> Mm-mm. Like. Mm-mm. I've got no problem with the, you know, what they're doing. I, I, you get that they're skilled and all that. And like, I'm never the ability of anyone at a at an Olympic level. But not every Olympic sport is for loving. Um, well, no, it's not. But, but I do want. Can you, I segue from there to something? And on that note, yes, I really want to take my hat off to uh, everybody's got an opinion on. Oh, this is not a an Olympic sport. Like everyone, you know, you know how everyone's an authority on everything. Oh yeah. And I just want to drop in there this or this shouldn't be there or that shouldn't be there or whatever. And, yeah, there's lots of reasons why things should or shouldn't be in. But i got to tell you that after watching – I live in the Gold Coast and I've grown up in a surfing culture. But from here to the other side of the house, normally to watch a surfing contest, I go to the Kira Pro quite a lot and watch it. But watch it on TV is not that much fun, right? 
Whereas and, I actually, whereas I actually love it on TV. My dad will tell yeah. you, that, mate. So. Well, that's all right. But what I'm what I'm going to say is this: each and every member of that team, and each and every member of all the teams that have been at that competition, and that's the most exciting surfing comp that I can remember watching, mm. because mm. the passion coming out of every participant was incredible. And I'm going to take my hat say, man, I fell in love with Sally Fitzgibbon. Yeah. I just the 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 passion and the and the happiness, the joy, the absolute heartfelt, innocent joy of representing Australia at the Olympics was coming through that girl so much. I was devo when she went out, but you know what? She's an absolute champion to me. And then seeing Owen Wright get out of his depot, I knew he'd been really badly hurt. Yes. Um, and to yeah. see him come back and celebrate and the whole team together wrapping them like there's Sally Fitzgibbon and the other great Australian female surfer, I can't remember her name, were off. They weren't off in the corner skulking and talking about themselves. They weren't talking, you know, the, the, the whole culture of me, me, me. They were all, I just, man, I was blown away by it. I was, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And I, and you know what, if anyone says surfing shouldn't be Olympics, I'll, I'll cut them off at the knees because they want it. And good on them. It was bloody fantastic. And the, the good thing about that, mate, it's not um, it's not a one-off. They've been like that, especially actually all nations that I see in the world surfing uh, circuit and so forth. They're all supporting each other. So when they get knocked out, like they don't just go home, right? So they, they stay there for the whole event. And if a Brazilian wins, you see all the Brazilian surfers that compete in that tournament carrying that Brazilian off. So it's something that, you know, surfing, people can say what they want about surfing. It's a fantastic life skill. It's brilliant for fitness. It's amazing for your soul. And look, look at the smiles on their faces. You couldn't have said it any better, mate. Well, how's this um, for a statement? How's this sound, Paul? I'll tell you what, you know, it looked, it looked like mm-hmm. Nike hadn't bought that sport out. And it hasn't. <laughs> uh, although, you know, they probably have a share in Rip Curl and uh, Billabong and Quicksilver and all that these days. But, uh, Let's you know, hope not. Have... Now, mate, today at work, everyone's yelling. They're like, quick, quick, come out. Come out to the kitchen. And, and Ariana Titmus wins one of the greatest races. And you could just feel 150 out. She was coming over the top of them. Yeah. You were lucky enough to listen to that one today. I was lucky enough to watch it. Oh, my God. She is amazing. You know, talk about smiles and happiness. That was one of my favourite Olympic moments in the longest time today. Yeah, I was at a sports competition at school, and I just, I'd been refereeing um, some soccer games, girls, and I had a moment to myself. I slipped over, and I thought, because I know the ABC is not running it, I'd I would not put the radio on at school because I'm too busy, but I was out there yep. in the middle of nowhere and the kids went to get something to eat. And I thought, I'll try SEN, and I did, and I got it just in time. Jared Waitley said we'd just won two goals in the in the, um, in the the rowing. I thought, oh, yep. great. And then yep. it's time for Ariana. I listened to her. I was like, and I was cheering there in the middle of nowhere. It was just me and the phone. Um, and cheering goes like, wow, this girl's fit. She's, she's, a, she's a phenomenon. Um, she's a force of nature. And... Um, and I sent you a message, I'm pretty sure, saying yeah. I wouldn't back against an Australian woman athlete, especially after I'd seen the complete nonsense that was being talked about Simone Biles after she left her team totally stranded and played the mental health card earlier on the day at Olympics. 
hang your head in shame, girl. I don't care what anyone says. It's BS. She didn't like the way she landed. She did. You know what? I, you, it, the Olympics brings out either it's what it brings out either the absolute best in you or the worst. And if you're going to bring out the worst, make sure it's in competition, not just in you being a complete diva. Yep. No, and there's a lot. You know what? Just an absolute disgrace to her country and the fact that some people involved in sport. Oh, some. Do you ever think, Paul? that people involved in some ways in promoting sport in America these days actually don't like sport. I've got a... Yeah, I, I, I do feel that, and I feel it even from podcasts. I, I, you know, I hear these people on podcasts like ours, so I'm being a hypocrite, where they don't follow a team or they, they're like, yes, I love the sport, but I don't have any favourites. I find that so bizarre as a professional to almost not love the sport that you're covering. It, it, yeah, I'm finding it really weird. There's two, there's two ways of approaching sport. One is a one-on-one contest between – it's either it's me versus uh, an objective or yep. it's me versus another individual. It usually comes down to that. Or it's me as a part of a team against another team. And without all of us working together, the team will not make it. Okay? Yep. And so t- that's why team sport is the king of sport because it, 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 it means that you have to somehow – subserviate yourself, that's not thats not the right word, and I should do better than that as a teacher, to the the better good of the of the entire community that you're mm. working with. And, you know, Simone Biles, well, she's had a lot of adulation. She's gone and sewed stuff on a on a little leotard saying, I'm the goat, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the best ever. She's living a life that, you know, few people could imagine the luxury. She's had her butt kissed over and over again, this, that, and the other. Okay, she's black, whatever. You know, what? what's the what, what's the um, things in her way? For her to actually turn around and come and say, you know, there was, there was, it was on camera and on mic, her going over to her teammates and saying, this is your first ever Olympics. You'll be fine from here, but I'm not going to keep going because I'm just not good. She's the captain of the team. Yep. Can you imagine? Like it's like it's not about it's, race or gender. This is just about someone. There was black other kids. In that, there was other black kids in that team. Yeah. And you just, know what? Like as if, as if. I mean, come on. Are people pretending that there's impediments to black people competing for the United States and Olympics? Give me a break. I mean, you know, it was always that thing. When are they going to bring a quota system in to get white people back in there? Remember? Oh, okay. Mate, so well, that's bullshit. And then. But, you know, to do that, look, you know what it reminded me of? It was like her leaving those kids behind to fend for themselves when she's the grizzly veteran, the greatest of all time, and say, you take care of her from here, girl. I'm going to go and sit over here, put a mask and get the cameras on me. You know what it looked like? It looked like a mother leaving her daughters and saying, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go inside of the casino. I'm going to play, the, I'm going to play on the machines for a while. You'll be yep. fine out here. How about you look after that? Here, here you go. Here's the sausage roll between you. Um, yeah. Mate, that's a really good call as well. I want to ask you a question. A team that you love that others don't get, they just don't get why you love the team. Now, I know you really well, but I want you to kind of delve a little bit deeper and just try and think of a team that you follow. You may not have other people who follow it. it might not even be a sport that other people follow that you're friends with, but you just... You get it. You get your love of that team. Does that 
question makes sense at all? Yeah, sure. So not an international team, like a, just a club team? Could be whatever you want. Yeah, Look, I'll tell you, you well, um, for people who don't know me intimately out there, probably, you know, like, why is it that he... I, I've, I've flipped and flop around between uh, England teams and, and Australian teams. Yep. At the Olympics, I'm 100%. I'm all in Australian um, football. I'm all in 100%. Socceroos always have been. Um, cricket and rugby, I go for England. Yeah, you do. Yep. And the reasons for that are, are really simple. And I go for them quite passionately as well. Um, I played a lot of cricket and, you know, I played um, rugby as well. And uh, for a long time, England was a whipping boy to Australia. Living in Australia, playing clubs. Um, uh, there wasn't many people around who would say they'd go for England. And it was a bit boring. So I stuck my head up and said, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna, just going to take on going for England because, look, let's face it, especially during the 90s, um, the England cricket team was horrendous. And so, uh, and that's when I was playing most of my cricket, and it was fun. And and I'll tell you this, for most of the time when uh, I was doing that, most of my mates thought it was funny too. Uh, it sort of changed in 2005 when England won the Ashes, and um, in 2002 when England won the Rugby World Cup. And everyone thought it wasn't very much fun anymore. But um, everyone knew I was going for them, so I'm cool with that. I love that, mate. And look, I'm not going to tell people who they should or shouldn't follow. I think that would be ridiculous. But um, for me, mate, um, New York Mets, they've just, I just love them. I have to see every one of their results. I watch tons of their games. Um, my dad never understood. He's like, no one taught you about baseball. No one told you about teams. It was just their colours. I saw their colours when I was a young kid and asked someone who they were. And they said, oh, they're Mets. And I'm like, okay, still don't get it. And um, there was baseball, and I, I seriously love them. And one day they're going to win a World Series again, and no one will, no one will care that I'm so excited. Uh, you know what I mean? No one will care yeah. that I'll care. And um, I've been to been to City Field and seen them a number of times, and quite often there's not anyone in the crowd. Um, but it's one of my teams. I just, you know, I talked to you about basketball, but my my love of the Knicks. Is, is nothing compared to the Mets. I'd have them up as one of my top teams that I follow. So a lot of people wouldn't know that, but I'm religious about their results. I can tell you the stats on all their players. I know all their history. It's just weird. Why you fall in love with a team? Uh, it's got to be organic. You can't ever force it. And like when we're doing that stuff with um, Pete about you know getting to follow the Bills, I mean, I hope he, he does take them on. But, you know, that party has to like the sport too. Um, and so you have to have a fascination for what's going on. Um, it was the history know. for me, mate. It was also yeah. the history of baseball and and the love and the smell of the crowd. And I watch a lot of you know I've watched a lot of local baseball over the years, and you know I enjoy watching the game, but I'll never get behind the Brisbane Bandits um, the way I'll get behind the Mets. And yet Brisbane Bandits are close to me, and Mets are you know thousands of kilometres away, but I love them. And the day well, I'm like passionate. I mean, yeah, as you know, I'm a very passionate Queensland cricket supporter. There's no yep. such thing as clubs. I don't really consider the Heat as an entity. But when I'm push comes to shove, I'll I'll fall in behind them. And you know, I can. There can be a team full of Queenslanders playing against England, and I. That's about the only time I'm like, you know, I can't. I remember Casper Bowen was a great player, and I I have met, and um, he probably doesn't remember me, but. You know, he's one of my favourite Queensland players. I remember him playing yep. Ashes.
You there, mate? Did I fall out? Yeah, you just dropped out. <laughs> We're having a couple oh, of Oh, my, my daughter was trying to ring me. I was just talking about Casper was when he was playing in the Ashes against England. I'm, it's the only time I've, I felt terrible. Um, yep. I was like death riding him when he was still on the bat. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, it is what it is. I mean, international cricket's awesome. I love it. Uh, long mate, continue. Uh, I, I, yeah, well, thanks for that. I mean, it's just good to give people a bit different perspective. And we don't always follow all our clubs because our dads did and so forth. But uh, look, mate, um, I know you're not a big fashionista, um, but is there a pair of kicks or a pair of sneakers that you go to that are the ones you just have to buy? So if you're a skater, it might be Globe or Vans. You know what I mean? Well, I refuse to buy Nike. I know, I know. Um, And I can't wear Adidas because they're really thin. They are. And I burst the side of them, so I pretty much live in New Balance or Asics. I did sketches for a while, but I've, I've hurt myself in them. So I go back to New Balance or Asics. But my, to be honest, mate, I prefer wearing boots, um, leather boots. I prefer a, um, I got a, I've always got, I've got my docks, and I, um, yeah, and I keep a pair of um, hush puppy um, Chelsea boots that I pretty much live in as well. So. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big one. I would never wear white white shoes with um with uh with jeans. I don't yep. never want to be Seinfeld and I'm not like, you know, Afro American, make me look like an idiot. Um so I don't do it. Um I've I did have a pair of which I did like the last pair of Nike shoes that I owned, uh, which I did like was a pair of um futsal boots, you know, with the gum on the bottom. Oh yeah. And I had them. But I almost broke my toes every time I put it, tried to get them in because they were sort of thin width. And then Connor took them and he wore them for a while, and then that was it. Mate, I'm on to, I, I wear Adidas and, and I wear Puma and stuff. I, I, I like them a bit fashion wise, but uh, the ones that are my absolute go tos, and you've got to be careful wearing them because they're so thin on the bottom, uh, onto Suka Tigers. So they look like Asics. You know the ones I'm talking about. They're the old tie. Yeah, well, that's where Asics started, wasn't it? Absolutely. And so they're they're my go-to kind of wear them for anything. So I've got a pair of yellow and black for Richmond. I've got a pair of maroon and blue for um, Villa. And I I can't help it. And I don't even have to tell anyone why I'm doing it. But it's one of my uh, things. No, that's cool. I wish I could be into that. But see, at that point, if I'm wearing jeans and I'm going to a game, I'm wearing my boots. Yeah, I'm pretty embarrassing. You've seen me fully kitted out. If I go to a game, I'm usually wearing a Richmond game. I'm wearing absolutely everything, but I won't. A lot of my stuff isn't just Richmond stuff. So it'll be like the Ontosuga Tigers or, you know, silly things like that that mean a lot to you. Yeah. Um, but, mate, Matildas are going to be, as boring as they were, Matildas are going to be taking on Great Britain. And you'd have to have Great Britain as the favourites going into that game. Yeah, but funny things happen at sea, and here we go. This is what we were just talking about, who you're going to be going for. I'll definitely go for the Matildas. Yep. Um, I always yeah. do go to go to Australian football. I don't know what it is. It seems kind of counterintuitive, but when I was a kid um, watching SBS, I felt I had football all to myself. Yeah. No one else yep. is really that much. And I had it because of the whole Geordie thing, but then I became completely infatuated with like dudes like Charlie Yankos and that, and I – I, I totally love that. Uh, we've talked many times about the old NSL, and, man, I love that comp. If I could, I'd go back to that because I just loved it so much. But anyway, um, yeah, the Matildas. I, I'd like to see um, – I'd like to see uh, – is, is Hayley fit? Hayley's fit. Yeah, she's um, – Is she going to play? 
I, look, she played in the first game, and yeah, I, think I she thought she will. gave him really good release. She looked dynamic. I don't know why she was why she's not been in. Yeah, look, I don't know. Maybe it's a load management thing. Um, a lot of the players haven't played as much football as they would have in the past, and and maybe that comes into it. I'm not quite sure. But we've got a few connections there through either following some of these players through the raw, or having interviewed some of them, or Haley's uh, obviously a daughter of a friend of ours. So I, I feel a, a real affinity. Um, I, I was going through some stuff the other day, and I realised I'd interviewed heaps of past Matildas over the years, whether it was radio or podcasting, and that's that's pretty cool. They wouldn't remember me, but I remember every one of the interviews. So uh, Tamika Yallop, who scored in the in the first game was one of Sean and my first interviews when we were uh, on Gold Coast Radio. I think she was our very first interview on our soccer show down there. Uh, so, that's uh, pretty awesome. You know, it's, it's, I'm sorry if that sounds like I'm big noting. It just means I feel a fatherly kind of connection to the team. No, um, we've actually got, really, look, you, you, look, I mean, other people might think that it's a bit of this or that, but I mean, the truth of the matter is that following and being involved with women's sport, He's pretty low key and you know low level. It's like when we had Sally on. I mean, yep. I, Sally comes on and speaks about the AFLW. Played in two premierships. She's teaching PE with me at school, and she um, was fantastic, mate. We have got yeah. to get her back on the show. So, she was brilliant. Yeah. So like the same with um with the women's football and like the the stuff with um with Haley and her dad. We're all intimately connected. Do you don't think we're cheering for her? So yeah. it is what it is. I I, I really there's a couple of We've sort of been told that the, with the new guy in charge that we have to kind of all roll over and trust in what he's doing. I try to do that these days rather than getting agitated. But a couple of – I haven't been super I – I, I don't think – I haven't seen anything from the change-up keeper um, to make me feel like that was worthwhile doing. No. Um, and I didn't really – I wasn't super impressed with Fowler coming to the team last night. I thought she – I'd rather just play with Sam Kerr by herself, to be honest. Oh, sometimes. my God. Same here. I, I just don't understand why we're not playing to our strengths. I mean, uh, you can you can sometimes overthink games as a coach. And mm. when you've got brilliant attacking uh, players all over the field, why wouldn't you just go with that? I, I, I don't know. We had the same kind of discussion in the Euros about some teams as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think Australia is best when they're allowed the freedom to express, and at the moment it feels like they've almost... It, we're not inside on this, we don't know, but it feels like they're being overcoached. Well, I think if they go into the game against uh, Great Britain um, with the same kind of mindset that they've had for... Uh, they, they have to take in... I, I like the way they went hard at Sweden. I really yeah. like that. If they go in the way they... they want to sit back against... Uh, like they did against the USA, I think they're going to find a different beast, and I, I I'd rather go down. I'd rather go down on my um, you know, my boots to, on to your on my strengths. Knees. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Now, before we finish off the show tonight, you oh. hinted at not a not a rant, but you hinted at something that you were quite excited about this afternoon about someone making comments. Oh, I think I sort of gave a fair bit of my bullets there on Simone Biles. Mm. I, I look. There's a lot of different podcasters out there and a lot of people I like. I mean, a lot of the people that I listen to these days, I've, I've come to them via ESPN or, or Fox in the States or, um, you know, or, or those, those big news services in America and, and sports. And 
And some guys move around and they get sacked or they, they move out. or And now a lot of them have got independent broadcasting. And, you know, a guy I was always fond, fond of, especially on a show called Speak for Yourself, was a guy called Jason Whitlock. Yep. And, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not black. He is. You know, he's one of the few guys who seems to have the freedom to actually say what's really going on with some of this stuff. And you see it and you go, what are we watching here with some of the, the ramifications for some of the people involved in world sport at the moment? And, um, you know, he's taken on Naomi Osaka. He's taken on LeBron James. He's, he's talked about all that stuff. You know, one of the most chilling things I remember from him was he was uh, right in the middle of um, uh, the protest during lockdown, Black Lives Matter, and yep. LeBron James had said some stuff here and there and talking about the – it was the second police shooting. I think it was his name was Jacob Blake in, in Wisconsin. And – and he was saying, yes, it's terrible, but – and he went through and gave this story of a a young quarterback who was 14, a black kid who on the same day was shot on the street in some other town. And it didn't move the needle at all, shot by some other dude like in some drug thing. And then he went on to start to give some of the statistics on the number of um, people in the states who are being shot, number of black people being shot by the black people. I'm like, wow, is this real? Is this for real? And then he said, and anybody wonder why you know there's so many interactions with police? It was the gun violence is just going absolutely raging out of control in the states, and everyone's still been out of shape about you know um, you know random events here and there. But you know, I think you know Jacob Blake was found to have had a uh, you know a knife on him and AVO. He was attacking a black woman at her house and stealing her kids. And people still saying, oh, my God, this guy's awesome. Mm. It's like, mm. how is it that we're being spun? Anyway, so I thought today, <laughs> today um, Whitlock gave her like a one-and-a-half-hour op-ed on Simone Bowles. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever listened to off the cuff. Um, oh. Frustration at the narrative but I have to agree with him. There's so many people in sport are being allowed to quit and people are celebrating it like it's amazing. What's the um, old saying, mate? We're is, pro old winners never win and winners never quit. Yeah, like, I mean, how is it that we're celebrating? Pe- if you love sport, I mean, I've got a saying as a school teacher is like, if you don't like teenagers, why are you doing this job? You know, <laughs> when teachers start moaning about hanging out with teenagers, with kids. But like, if you if you are um, if you love sport, then the absolute purity of the game is that you have to honour the game and we the people that, that came before you, and absolutely. and you really and no matter how good you are, you're standing on the shoulders of everybody else who put you there over a long period of time, and everybody who makes it in top level sport has had coaches and teachers and parents and. And, parent, and you know what? If a family's in dysfunction and falling apart, a lot of the times another parent will pick that kid up and take them around and yep. take her their time. They don't get there by themselves. Nope. And you owe it to those people. You know, I'm not saying, oh, if you've got a, like a serious mental issue, uh, uh, you know, a, a mental illness and it clouds your life, it's like you don't reckon they would have known about that before she took that vault at the Olympics? I don't think Come anyone on. at all, no one has an issue 
with with people saying, look, I'm in trouble with my mental health at the moment, rah, rah, rah. No one has an issue with that. What we have an issue with is is the, ex- for lack of a better term, the excuse of using that as an excuse. There's a big difference. You know, my dad listens to this podcast and, and what I'm going to say is going to hurt him, but he knows, you know, my mum's had mental health issues her whole life. She has never quit. She's a fighter. And you know what I'm trying to say? And, and so absolutely. I, I find it an absolute cop out when things are going wrong and you've done the wrong thing and then you use that as you get out of jail free card. It really diminishes those who are going through some horrific times, whether it's COVID or whether it's chemical or whether it's, you know, history of abuse or whatever. Stop using it as a bloody excuse. If it's real, fine. But don't use an excuse for sporting performance or whatever. Yeah. If Simone Biles is so messed up, she needs to be on a plane back to the States now and go to Betty Ford or do whatever she needs to do. And we hope she, it if she needs it, we hope, you know, you and I yeah. absolutely agree. If she needs it, get help. But stop using it when you've stuffed up men or women and then going, oh, I've got a mental health issue. Of course you've got a mental you health know, issue. You know as well as I do that she's most likely going to roll out and do the individual events. Well, I think she's not. I think it's only just been – she's probably had advice not to. So I could be wrong, but I think Well, she's I think been... people would have burned her house down if it had it been like that. Can you imagine – can you imagine, like, let's go through any team sport ever, right? Yep. Um, let's try and think of this. Can you imagine Alan Border walking off the field for Australia when, you know, things were going really badly and saying, hey, boys, I'm out? No. Can you imagine, um, I don't know, um, any captain, I can't imagine. what In origin, Molly Lewis, the first game's going wrong in 1985. Uh, boys, that's it, I'm out. Sam Kerr going, no, no I'm not being up forward. Uh, we're not playing the system I want. I'm not going to play for the rest of the series. I had a smoke alarm going off in uh, in our house at the moment. People, if you can hear that, it's all it's good. Abso- it is that is absolute garbage. And it was one of the few, you know, the fact that she did it. In a, okay, guess what? Uh, you know, if she had done it in in an individual round, I would have said, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. You see you later. Who cares? But well, the fact that she did yeah. it in a team event where those other girls are relying. And they left somebody behind in the States who, if she was so messed up, should have said beforehand so they could have got her over there and given some other kid a chance. 100%. Mate, it's look, garbage. Let's, let's go back to the positive you were saying just before we finish, mate. Seeing the parents celebrate, even though they can't be in Tokyo, seeing parents celebrate their, their kids getting bronze medals, silver medals and gold, uh, and, and extended family and uncles and everything like that, that's been my joy of the Olympics. Because you summed it up really well just a few minutes ago. No one gets there without someone, whether it's a coach, a teacher, their brothers and sisters, friends, relatives. No one ever. They can say, I got to the top of the sport by myself, but no one does. You know, even in boxing, Mike Tyson had brilliant, brilliant boxing coaches. So, yes, he had the drive, but he still had many Mike in his Tyson had the, Mike Tyson had the best boxing coach of all time. Yeah, but you, you know what I'm you know exactly what I'm saying. No one in any sport gets there strictly by themselves. No, I'm happy for good... people to answer if they do. No, and if, if people think that that's the case, well, you know what, they're wrong. Because you even need people to sign you into events. <laughs> exactly. and there's not many people like that Filipino weightlifter, the girl who was stuck in Malaysia, who was lifting bamboo 
yep. you know, rods with water things on them. And uh, you know what? I don't know what she was doing in Malaysia. She was stuck there. I guarantee you she wasn't there at the King's Privilege. No, I'll guarantee you She worked her well. butt off through that time out. Um, she clustered Mary Metal. I love her. So honest. Uh, a better winner than her? Never. Mate, how she... One, one other thing. In, in, in your I love the Olympics. You're really cautious about social media and stuff, and I love it. You, mm. I think you, you're pretty, you're really wise when it comes to it. Um, and I've, I, I quite, I honestly laugh at half the stuff and show Meg half the stuff um, that I see, and just absolutely love taking the mick out of people being too serious. So a lady the other day puts up, you know, we've got that 48 year old table tennis player who amazing, good, fantastic. What's and her name? Fang, put, Fang something or something. Like that. Yeah, and and, yeah. and the, the point of the post that this lady put up, whoever she is, I don't really care. She put up, oh, um, she's 48, she's um, a female, and she's obviously of Asian descent. Is that why no one in Australia is talking about her? And I went, I, I just That's responded bullshit. to it. I just responded to her, and it got a fair few likes. I just said, I've got to be honest with you, I wouldn't be able to tell you any table tennis player of the last 30 years of any, any gender ethnicity or country i love playing the game i don't know anyone in the sport i just don't. Well, i think and, and the bottom line is i mean every this is an incredible yeah. australian olympian and we celebrate that like what what else do you have to do like i said i watched the girl doing taekwondo last night yeah i won't be watching any more taekwondo i don't care who's in it Mate, I see. Yeah, well, let's let's end it on a positive note. The Olympics has been outstanding, and we'll be talking about it again next week, mate. I hope you enjoyed the pod tonight. Yeah, I do have a couple of things I want to say before we leave. I'd love uh, to. One let's great, go for it. great, great Olympic story. Um, mm-hmm. As a kid growing up in Logan City, um, everybody knew Jamie Nicholson, um, and everybody was followed him in the old days of local newspapers. The Beanley and Logan newspapers always carry stories of Jamie Nicholson, great young boxer coming through. Uh, went to the Olympics, represented us really well there, went professional. Uh, died in a car accident at Helens Vale, I believe. Um, and his brother was in the car and they both passed away. It was a terrible event. Uh, now his sister, who never met him, is boxing tonight. If she can win tonight, she's guaranteed a medal. Um, oh. I will be watching wow. young Nicholson because... Yep. When Jamie Nicholson died was an event that people don't know. You, you don't know places unless you live there. Um, Logan and Bean Lee are pretty tough areas. I can't speak to them now. We're pretty yep. tight places back then. Yeah. And working class, hard people. And um, very, they loved very him. Very good mix of ethnicities and so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm sure everyone up in Logan will still be cheering, will definitely be cheering tonight. And I know I will and all yep. Australians will get behind her. And the other thing is I really want to say tomorrow at school, the school's almost going to meltdown because uh, the women's rugby sevens are playing and Maddie Levi is going to be on the field at 11.20 on 7-2. Cheer her on. And her sister went last night number six in the AFL draft. And I'll guarantee you she'll story. be playing the next Olympics for Australian rugby as well. Unbelievable stories, mate. And well, credit to you, credit to all our friends and, and, and Pete, and Sean's been involved in women's sport, and a lot of our friends have. Credit to everyone, mums, dads. Anyone. I know one thing for sure. I was watching, um, watching um, Teague's parents last night. Um, I know them both. And uh, I don't think Maddie will be walking off the field and quitting. 
unless they do something terrible happens. And touch wood, you know what I mean. Oh, she I, won't be I, walking off, and if something bad happens, she'll be walking back out there and keep it on going. I guarantee it. Yeah, there's no, there's no quitting, mate. I totally agree, mate. Absolute. I, I love this podcast tonight. It was a little bit of a different way of doing it. Um, we are the Love Sport Podcast. Paul and John, you can get us on Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Get me at Paul underscore football, John at Lambic Peach. We didn't answer some questions that were put out tonight. We've got a few questions. We can do um, a little supplementary podcast. I'm available if you need to do that too, mate. We will, actually. We'll, we'll, we'll sort that out. We'll answer your questions. So put them up on my um, Twitter account. Put them on my Facebook account uh, on Love Sport Podcast. Or if you're unlucky enough to be one of my acquaintances on Facebook, you can put the uh, questions there. We love answering them. And we'll do a supplementary one on that. Yours in sport, buddy. Take care, man. Love to everyone. You too. Be good. Don't quit. Do not quit. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. This was Paul and John. Get me on Paul underscore football at Twitter and John at Lambic Peach on Twitter. You can get the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter as well. Join the conversation. Hey, maybe even be a guest. This is, was, and always will be the Love Sport Podcast.